Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Kiana Daniels. And I am Bridget Flaherty. And today we don't have a specific topic for you all, but we are going to be talking about what's happening in season three. And then we're going to do a check-in between Bridget and I, and we're going to reveal some new things going on in season three and just uh, talk about all the things that have been going on since we last posted an episode, which has been quite a bit. Yes. As most people know at this point, I am no longer in Dayton, Ohio. I am in St. Louis, Missouri, back in St. Louis, Missouri, came here about three months ago and still settling in and finding my way, processing a lot of emotions and thoughts around all the new that has occurred in the last three months. So came back for a job and St. Louis isn't new to me. It is my second home, but a lot has shifted and changed in the last four and a half years. And so just adjusting to that, settling into my new home. Um, and everybody knows at this point too, because we've talked about it several times on the podcast about how I like to create my own sanctuaries in my, in my home, in my living room, a safe haven where I can, you know, just be and relax and decompress and things like that. Good energy and vibe. So it's coming together. Uh, and at some point, maybe I'll do an update when it's all complete and show you all what it's shaping up to be. But that's just kind of a little taste of what's been going on with me. Bridget, what has been going on with you? Well, a lot has been going on for me, but right now I'm sitting in the podcast studio all by myself. So this is our first time really trying out this remote thing. We've got uh, a new producer we're really excited to be working with. Ellie is here, so welcome. Welcome, welcome. So we're excited. Um, season three, we are excited about some conversations remotely. You know, Key, you and I are used to getting together and hanging out and having conversations. And and that looks a little different when we're remote. Those things are over the phone. So this is fun to kind of record an organic conversation to get started with season three. We're going to have a couple of those and then move in back into our guest interviews and, and figure it all out. So that's exciting. It is exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to explore new ways to talk about healing where we don't just interview others, but really dive deep into our lives and what's happening in our healing journeys, uh, we've created this amazing platform for women to share and to be vulnerable and transparent. And we did that because Bridget and I, we do that. And so there's a lot to unpack. I think there's a lot that we have been unpacking and processing. And uh, there is so much meat that is going to be in season three, I think, as we uh, share more about ourselves and what's been going on. So I'm really looking forward to it because I've been processing a lot. And with that, on that note, uh, when I moved from Dayton, I had a therapist and <laughs> at first I didn't know why she was kicking me off the list. I'm like, what, you know, she was like wrapping me up, you know, as I was leaving and I was like, you know, um, 
I, I know that I'm in a good place. I just don't, I don't think that we need to end our relationship. And so I, I didn't know why she was closing me out. <laughs> and then she was like, well, key is because you're going to a whole nother state. I, I can't practice in Missouri. So I was like, oh, okay. But with that being said, I have not, um, I have not prioritized the time for finding a therapist, but it is at top of my list now because I think it's really important to process with a therapist, you know, when so many changes have occurred um, in our lives, uh, just to like process the emotions and the thoughts and the feelings around it. Um, because as much as I wanted to leave Dayton, I miss it. I don't want to come back, but I miss it. <laughs> and so just processing that, I miss my friends, I miss uh, my family, I miss the cadence and the balance that I have finally created for myself with all the things. And it has been a challenge and a real process to find the, the balance that I, I so desire because I finally found it and created it in, in Dayton. And so, you know, I have had to have a lot of grace with myself with reminding myself that, you know, it, it does take time. It's only been three months. So like the balance isn't going to come overnight. Um, but it's still, it's still hard and challenging. So I'm looking forward to getting back into therapy to just, you know, process with a professional to process some of the things that I've been thinking about, because I've also been in transition personally, professionally, spiritually, <laughs> all the things. And I'm approaching my birthday. My 34th birthday is coming up in 22 days. This time for me around the birthdays, it's always very particularly spiritual and I'm always like super aware, like all of my senses. And so um, I think I'm feeling a bit of that as well, because and I'm very much looking forward to reflecting. I always spend my birthdays alone so I can just reflect because I believe in we start two years in the, in the year. We have a calendar year and then we have our birthday. And I'm just super intentional about spending my day alone to really reflect on the previous year check in with myself and set intentions for the next year. And so there's just so much. I feel like I'm a, a, a very, I'm very sensitive right now <laughs> because of all those things. <laughs> I hear that. Since our, since we recorded the bonus episodes, I've been in a little mini deep dive myself that was actually triggered by one of the bonus episodes. So we actually recorded the bonus episodes in May. They, we released them much later, but they were recorded in May. And after the episode where we talked about my relationship, I shared some of the conversation with my partner. And I shared how you had said something about how you wanted a relationship like that. And he joked and said, well, why would she say that kind of joking? And that triggered a conversation where I, th where I said, you know, I, th I thought that like, you know, things are great. And he pointed out a conversation that we had had a couple weeks prior that wasn't so great. And he shared his perspective of that conversation. And it was completely different than my perspective of the conversation. And he said, I have that conversation to me created these concerns. And if we don't address these concerns, they could become bigger issues. And for me, the conversation had wrapped up the concerns. So it was like a bomb because for me, I had a perception of this was great and this was wrapped up. 
And he had a perception of these are issues that if we do not address could continue to, you know, create issues in our relationship. So with the help of, of therapy and further conversations, I started digging into my own processes around relationships. And we've talked about before on previous, you know, recordings about how I have a history of abusive relationships from childhood into adulthood. And I have done a lot of healing, but what I learned is that I still crave chaos. And so I was continuing to create chaos. And for me, the argument was the resolution. It was the resolution of that cycle of honeymoon, build up, conflict, honeymoon. And so I had gone straight from conflict to honeymoon and he had gone from conflict to we have work to do. And it was incredibly eye-opening and humbling to sit in that and then to work through it. And as always, there's always two sides to every relationship, right? So my work was really getting clear on why was I creating this cycle? And in the conversation, he said to me, why do you think that that conversation went well? And I had to sit for a minute and I said, because nobody yelled. And he said, that's not the bar. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's not the bar. And that, that hit me, right? And so then I had to sit with why was that the bar and how can I create a different bar? How can I you know, address uh, those emotions when they come up differently? Start talking to my therapist and tools and tips for that. But then he also had to sit through why, whenever I was angry, did he kind of retreat, right? Wh what, what triggers him whenever I'm experiencing the emotion of anger where he retreats instead of like having a conversation? So I had to deal with how to better express emotion specifically around anger, have name to it. And so we've been working on that. Since, <laughs> since well, that's it. I know. And it, it has been really good. I, I got one of those feelings wheels. Do you know what the feeling wheels are? It has the emotions in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has all the emotions and like different colors with all the different names. And I got that. And it's like in my living room. I put it on the wall like so I can see it every day. Because one of the things my therapist was saying was you need to pause before you get to anger. Like anger usually has something underneath it. So like before you express your anger, stop and say, what exactly are you feeling and why? Man, is that hard? Because sometimes I just want to fight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, isn't it, isn't it usually under anger is hurt and pain? Exactly. And so sometimes it's, I've been triggered. But sometimes it's built, it's like resentment. It's like building resentment. Sometimes it's irritation, but naming it something other than anger helps. If it's resentment, why am I resentful? Is it because I was doing things and not asking for help? Is that really his fault that I'm resentful about that? Right. Right. <laughs> so, so because if I'm saying it's, re I'm resentful rather than I'm angry, then, then it, it forces me to kind of think about, well, what am I resentful about? And did I create that situation? Yeah. So. That has been the big deep dive that I've been in in the past couple of months. So where are you all now? So um, it's, I mean, I think it's an ongoing thing. So just yesterday, I had kind of a hectic day. Actually, the last couple of weeks have been super hectic. But yesterday, around 7 p.m., I finished dinner. I put it in the oven. It was a lasagna. It was an eggplant lasagna with eggplant mm. and spinach from the garden. It's amazing. But anyway, I put it in the oven and then I'm feeling angry. 
So I go over to my feelings wheel and like, what do I, uh, what I really am is just exhausted, honestly. And, and I'm, I'm like irritated and frustrated because I just want to go to bed. I have a crazy busy day and it's nobody's fault. Right. It's not his fault. It's really nobody's fault. So I just looked at him and I was like, you want to go for a walk? He said, yes. So we go to leave the go for a walk. And I just said, I'm feeling very stressed right now. And I just need to walk in silence. Will you walk with me? He said, absolutely. So we walked in silence for probably about 15 minutes. And then I shared, I'm just tired. It's been a crazy busy day, but I'm feeling better now that we walked. And he said to me, because you did a really good job dealing with your anger. <laughs> oh, to see, and that's why I said what I said the first time, because that's really, that's healthy. You know, the fact that you all trust each other and can you know, experience emotions without taking it personal and then also be able to be a support, right? He was a support for you. He didn't really know what was going on with you. You just said, let's go for a walk and you needed to be in silence. And then you were able to have the conversation and name what it was and share more. I I think that's, I I, I won't speak for everybody, but that's something that I would like to have with everybody that I'm in relationship with. But so Kiana, I, I, it is, it's beautiful. And, but, and it requires work on both sides, right? Like it requires me to get very clear and kind of pause and not react, but it also requires him to allow, right? It requires him to allow me to experience whatever I'm experiencing. And, and both are really necessary. Like if he were to push, I'd explode. And if I were to explode, then then he would retreat. It's it's being present and allowing for for each other. Right. But that's really it's I mean, it's a beautiful thing to have, though, you know, and even though it's a work in progress and it really does take active participation from both parties, the work in progress is the part. Right. You know, that's the that's the work in motion, I would say. You know what I mean? That is the constant. um, And it also, to me, lets you know that both of you have a foundation of healing to be able to be present in those moments without, you know, internalizing or making it about yourself and keeping the focus on each other. You know, uh, Brene Brown has this story where she talks about how she spilled coffee on her shirt. Have you ever heard this story? Yes. That's my girl. (laughs) She immediately blames her husband, right? It's like within seconds, she goes through all these things and he's the reason she spilled coffee And that I relate so much to that story because that's what I do. Yeah. I should say that is what I have done. Yeah. And in this example, I stopped that blaming him because I was tired to let me just breathe and get to the root of why I'm feeling this way. And that requires retraining patterns. I can resonate with that in regard. I'm not in a relationship right now, but I can transfer that to work. At this point, my healing has led me like on an average day where I know how to balance what is on my plate in a, in a way that does not feel like it's too much for me. Um, and, and lately I haven't felt like that. And even in the past, I've, I've had experiences where I haven't felt balanced or I, I can really feel the overextension of, of the plate. So again, no one's fault. It's my own, you know, to, to putting 
more things on my plate than I probably would like and, and probably underestimating what is required of me for each thing. And so um, even just recently, I'm like, I've had a long day. I've been up super early. I just want to go home. I don't want to talk to anybody. And it's like, I have, I've, have found myself to have like some resentment towards people that may be in the path <laughs> that have absolutely nothing to do with it. Right. And it's, it, and I know where that stems from is because more, more so not resentment at them, but at myself for not ha- upholding my boundary. And so from a work perspective, I have, experience that, you know, redirecting the feelings that I'm, I'm feeling, um, from others to, to like myself, because, you know, at the end of the day, these are choices and decisions that we're making. Usually, you know, if it isn't a mutual decision, other people are not involved in that and being able to take a step back and check in with yourself and self-regulate, I think is really important. And that is, you know, when we talk about tips and tools that we pick up from others in books and therapists, you know, I have been super proud of myself in the way that I have been implementing the tools that I, I developed before coming to, back to St. Louis, having, without being actively in therapy. And, and that's something that, that, you know, we should acknowledge in ourselves. So like, even for you, between you and your partner, Julio, you know, you all have, you have been able to utilize the tools that you got from your therapist to be able to redirect and rate and self-regulate from what could have been an argument, you know, you stopped it right in his tracks and then he was able to support you. So I think it's really cool that we have been able to utilize those, those tools because that's what therapy is for. That's what healing is all about is being able to self-manage. Absolutely. So I, uh, I have another story to share regarding healing. So another thing since the last time we recorded that has happened is that I broke the no contact with my parents. So I had gotten no contact with my parents in 2020 due to continual breaking of boundaries. And that was a trigger for a whole lot of healing in my family. So when I went no contact with my parents um, at that time, I reached out to my siblings. I let them know. I let them know why. Um, And I was in communication with them. I'm the oldest of four children. I have two sisters and a brother. When I did that, both of my sisters went no contact with me. And my brother chose to continue contact but supported us. So as a result of that, all three of us separately dove into some pretty deep therapy. For me, that act was opened up lots of doors for me to grieve and to realize that I had all kinds of hope that was never going to happen. And so for me, it was a grieving process. For my younger sister, it was really kind of an uh, awareness of things that she didn't realize were toxic, that were toxic. Anyway, it was really good for all of us. And I um, got very, very ill with COVID. I had a very high fever. And because of that, when I, my fever broke, I had this just, this just like download that I should talk to my mother. And so immediately I journaled a very long letter that contained everything, not all of which should be shared, 
And then I met with my therapist and I talked through, hey, this is, and I read him the letter and he's like, yeah, that's way too harsh. And I'm like, yes, okay. <laughs> so I wrote multiple versions of the letter and eventually I came up with something that was about 10 minutes long that basically said, look, we are in cycles of generational trauma and in generational trauma, it's nobody's fault. Like it is not your fault and it is not your mother's fault and it is not your grandmother's fault and it's not my fault. But the truth is we are in this cycle. And unless we break the cycle, we're going to continue it. And then I shared examples of ways in which I had repeated that pattern with my daughter and how I had chosen to break that cycle. And I encouraged her to say, you have the power as the matriarch in our family to break that cycle. My grandmother has passed on. So my mother is truly the matriarch of our family now. And she has, she has, you know, grandchildren. Like it's time. And so I, I encouraged her to look at that as it isn't that anybody did anything wrong. Nobody's blaming you, but you have the power to change this narrative. So I wrote that. I talked to my therapist and then I talked to my siblings because again, I had shared with them. They had been a part of my sisters and did not um, think this was a good idea. They basically said, we think you're going to get hurt because you want this relationship with our mother and it can't happen. Like she's not capable of doing what you want her to do. And I said to them, you know, that may be true, but I, I feel this need to at least extend the olive branch. But Kiana, the conversation with my sisters was incredibly healing for all of us. Because we had been separately working on this stuff and working through for a couple of years. And so we came back together and me saying, hey, this is what I want to present to my mother, gave them the freedom to say, this is what I've been working through and realizing and, and unpacking the woundedness. And then we were able to say, you know, our mother was so young. She was a baby. I mean, she was 18, you know, like she was so young. And we were able to have these conversations where it really was about generational trauma and not about, um, but then, you know, but then it's also like, just because um, she had this wounding doesn't mean that we have to accept wounding from her, right? So right. talking about boundaries, all the stuff we talk about, it was incredible. It was tearful and all this stuff, but it happened in front of the teenagers. So my son is almost 18. My niece is seven, almost 17. And the other one's almost 15. And at one point we paused and we were like, like, is this okay? And we decided to keep having the conversation. And because they were present, we were able to have follow-up conversations with them, me with my son, my sister, with her children about what boundaries are, like how sometimes there may be someone that we love or care for that um, is doing their best, but their best is still hurting us. And so like, how do we do that? And that those conversations were incredibly healing, right? And all of this happened before I even had the conversation with my mother, which was incredible. Yeah. The conversations with your sisters in front of the, the young, the kids. I mean, that's deep. It, especially since it wasn't a conversation about blame, you know, like you, I know, you know, the difference when you have a conversation about about someone who has hurt you and you're talking about them as if there's something wrong with them, it's very different than acknowledging that that person is, is, has been wounded and has had these like things happen. And so these are the ways in which their wounds 
are wounding us. And that is a very different conversation. Mm -hmm. So I ended up having the conversation with my parents. It did not go well. My mother cannot uh, see herself as anything other than the victim. And although I kept encouraging her that she is the one who can make the changes, it just did not result in anything that can be built from. I did decide that I am in a place personally and healthy enough that I can maintain an open line of communication with boundaries. So I'm no longer no contact, but I also am not willing to or not at a place where she's allowed into my life, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. And afterwards, I was upset, which is exactly what my sister said would happen. You were upset. I was upset. So what I realized afterwards is that I had hope. I really wanted my mother. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted her to heal. You know, like I wanted her to say, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to try or anything that gave me an ounce of this is possible. And there was not even a seed of possibility that came out of it. And, and I thought I was ready for that. But then I was really sad. But because I had had conversations with my sisters, because I'd had the conversations with my therapist, because my partner knew, I could tell people I'm sad. Mm-hmm. I thought I didn't have hope, but I did. And this is what I'm feeling. And so then I had support from them. You know, my sisters were prepared. They kind of knew that's what was going to happen. And they were prepared yeah. to support me. So then we had other conversations after that. And Nothing has really changed as far as the relationship with my mother, but all of these other incredible conversations with my siblings and with my son came out of it. So, yeah. And yeah, I can, I, I understand how you can be hopeful. I feel like I've experienced that with like some family members and and friends, to be honest with you. I think my old best friend, I was, I experienced some of that in I don't think it's anything wrong to be hopeful. Um, And like, you know, the feelings that come from it are valid. Uh, But I think that that might've been your ultimate goal with your mother, but what was birthed out of it as a result, I don't even really think that it was the, like the real purpose was the relationship with your mother. It was the pathway to that conversation that opened up so many other you know, pivotal conversations with your sisters, um, your children, your nieces and nephews, you know what I mean? Um, where now you, you're, you're, let, you're planting a seed with the younger generation, but then you also have been able to strengthen relationships with the people that are in your life, you know? And even with that, which is something that's really amazing, it still doesn't take away, you know, the, the hurt feelings of what your ultimate goal was. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think having, a, you know, a little bit of separation from it now, I feel grateful for all of the blessings that came out of that conversation. I also feel confident that it was the right thing to do because, because I know you know, the way in which I went no contact was very much to protect myself. And this conversation was to extend it olive branch. It was less about um, 
it was less about my own woundedness and really a desire for her healing. And, and although there's hope in that, and there's still a little bit of selfishness in it, I, I feel like it was the right thing. It was the right thing. And so I, I feel confident in that. Oh man, you know, I've been learning a lot about, we set out. So I think we probably have mentioned this on the podcast before, but like sometimes we set out on with a destination in mind <laughs> and it's never, I mean, it's, it's about the destination, but it's more so about the journey on the way to the destination, which might actually, you know, redirect you to somewhere else where we're supposed to be, you know, ultimately or in the first place. And so like, I've been experiencing that a whole lot more, just even with my journey and transitioning on all the levels, physically, mentally, spiritually, and, and and geographically (laughs) is like, you know, there, there, there is purpose in everything. And it also takes patience and grace. You know, we talk about that a lot, but sometimes that's hard. You know, it's hard, especially when you set out with, you know, high expectations of a, a person, place, or thing, and then it it disappoints. It's sometimes hard to initially see, you know, the purpose in it all and all the good that came from it. But that's why reflection and just like taking time to to stop, to pause and be still and reflect on, you know, really process those thoughts and like what happened. Yes. It's been really helpful. Absolutely. I completely agree. I, I mean, I think key, that's part of what our relationship was founded on, right? I mean, it was founded on the fact that both of us were open with what was going on in our life in a way that was seeking, curious, the opposite of judgmental, whatever the opposite of that is, right? Open yeah. and and seeking. And so yeah. that allowed us to have these reflective conversations where we could be open to what the other was saying. And, and that's so necessary for healing. I mean, in the example with my mother, part of the process for me was to get clarity. Mm-hmm. And that was with my therapist and with my partner and with my sisters. But, but not assuming that just because I think I want to say these things, that it's the right approach. And that that is a form of loving my mother, right? That's a form of loving the other by saying, I love you enough that I don't want to just project what I'm feeling onto you. I want to try to get clear and give you the message that that is is underneath whatever's coming up. Yeah. Ooh. And sometimes we need support in that, right? Especially when it's it's an emotional thing. Hell yeah. It's emotional and it's exhausting sometimes, you know what I mean? And also I think the other part of being open, and and I don't know if this is one and the same, but I think it's both and like open and receptive, you know, um, to the support, to feedback, to the conversation, you know, the back and forth, you know, communication. And then also just like being able to like, cause it's not, I don't think it's a norm for people to create safe spaces for each other. You have people who are intentional about that. Like you and I, I think it is our nature to be like that, but it is not the norm for most people. You know, I was even just talking about that at at work, you know, you have to, in order for feedback not to be taken negatively you have to be open and receptive to it you know so that you don't get defensive 
That's hard. It, hell yeah, it's hard. It is hard because it it's like, you know, as we just mentioned kind of before this, um, you never know what a person's day has been like. You know, you never, you don't know what they're going through and all of those things. And so I think that's something else to think about when we're, when we're, you know, communicating with people or in, engaging with folks is really being understanding and empathetic to other factors and variables that may be taking place into, you know, th that may be adding or detracting from someone, right? You know, which ultimately could uh, impact the experience that we're having with people. But yeah, absolutely. It can be really difficult, but the, the support has been helpful. And I'm telling you, like, since my my transitional journey here and just like the uh the clarity that i feel like i'm getting on a number of things um you know as i personally evolve what is what are my priorities and that's another thing you know i've been discovering that my priorities that once were priorities are really not they're pretty low on the priority list right now so now i'm having to really find time to be still and reflect and to uh, seek understanding within myself, you know, within acceptance really too, you know, because I today feel like a very different version than I was even probably four months ago. <laughs> and that is a quick shift and it's, and it's weird. And I find myself like, I'll, I will find myself saying things that I want and desire and that's important to me. And then I'll be like thinking to myself, like, who are you? Like, who are you? What who, what version of this Kiana is this? You know what I mean? I feel like I just met <laughs> a version not too long ago, but that is like truly the nature of evolution. It, and I think that we are human minds. We think about evolution in terms of like true, true, true like long seasons but sometimes they could be very short you know depending on like a, a space a place you know an interaction it, I don't know a number of things the universe like it's so many things that add to like the evolution of us and I am learning to accept that my evolution particularly is happening like fast and the moment I feel like I am comfortable with a newer version I am shifting again not completely but like sometimes completely and sometimes incrementally and I'm just like well I can't keep it's like technology I can't keep up <laughs> you know key when kids grow little kids when they're growing they go through growth spurts and sometimes it seems like it happens overnight like they wake up one morning and all of a sudden their clothes don't fit it's like what the heck happened while you were sleeping and I think that that healing is like that too right we have sometimes where the healing is like happens over time and then sometimes it's like it feels like overnight all of a sudden I feel different today or or I had some realization that has changed my perspective so significantly that I cannot be who I was yesterday. Yes. It's like, it, you know what, Bridget, that is so true. And you're absolutely correct. Like I watch my nieces and nephews and I'm like, oh my gosh. And you're talking about overnight. I'm like, what a year makes. Like you literally look completely different. You're like five inches taller. You know, your face has developed more. You're looking a little bit, you know, more mature. It's, it's really, it's fascinating. 
It's yeah, it's it's just so interesting, man. And it's sometimes it's I was gonna say scary. I don't know if it's scary, but it just seems like that's where the grace really comes into play. You really have to be patient and have grace to be able to learn the, the newness of ourselves. Like for instance, like you know, um, and it's really amazing when you start to hear yourself in your new version speak which is different than the old version. And so like, for example, the last guy that I dated, like we're still friends, um, healthiest relationship I've had. And then when I tell people about him, they're like, well, what's up? Why aren't you with him then? (laughs) And I'm just like, well, because we went our separate ways out of love. Very first time I've ever done that. We are, what I've learned from the relationship even before that one, a lot of lessons, but when people are in two different books, you don't try to, you don't try to merge the books. You know what I'm saying? You're in two different books, not on different pages. Now, if you're on different pages in the same book, that's something that you can maybe fix. But like, you know, he called me up or actually last Friday, I called him up, check on him. He's down in Florida, um, you know, with the hurricanes and whatnot. And so we caught up for hours. Like we probably talked for like four or five hours and it was great. We laughed, we joked, we kind of reca- we, we rehashed, we kind of walked our way back to like the evolution of us. And what I found out so funny, and this is something that like I've been hearing a lot of that I'm now kind of lumping all together because I feel like I can when they see you. The moment they see you, they start to plot their plan to to get you. (laughs) And like that was the evolution of of us unpacking how we got to where we were, because he told me he told me all the ways. He was like, yeah, I remember seeing you in the kitchen and I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm interested in her. And that's when I started talking to you and all these things. Right. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, like you was gaming me the whole time. (laughs) But I'm actually happy that it happened. So I'm not mad at it, but it's good to note. Uh, But we were talking and like, you know, before this last time he called me before and was like, you know, key. He was just like, I just, I just think that, you know, I made a mistake, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, I, I made a mistake with us. And I was just like, well, yeah, you did. I mean, but it is what it is. It was what it was. And I don't regret any of it. Right. And so he, he was just like, well, I can't, um, I've not been able to meet any other woman like you and all these things. And I'm like, well, you, you can't, that's unfair to you and to other people because you're not ever going to meet anybody like me because I'm me, you know, there's nobody else who are the same, right? But if you genuinely want to date, open yourself up and take me off the table, right? You know, because that's not fair. You'll never make it with anyone. But that conversation, it started in my mind, I had closed it down because it came and went. And I, I was clear that we weren't right for each other because he still needed to prove to me that he was able to truly commit. Um, and by commit, he's an only child and he has that syndrome and it's more so like he commits to me, but it's really on his terms, <laughs> you know, if that makes sense. So then this call last Friday, we're talking about it again, but that's, you know, we did this whole rehashing and it was great. But again, his tactic for, for engaging in that conversation was because he wanted to bring up the fact that he thinks that I'm his wife and that we should be together. And like, we talk about this whole thing, right? And I, because of who I am today, and I'm clear on what it is that I want in a partner, he, he still very much, I want it my way. And he was, it, it was coming out so much in the conversation. And I'm just like, 
you know, I don't think that we're meant to be together because we're literally describing two different scenarios of a marriage and partnership. Literally, they are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And so what I am saying is I don't want to be with a man who is more low key and like I feel like he is an appendage to me not a part of me like not like merged into me like where I have to live almost a double life where because you're more low key and introverted I have to do everything on my own like family on my own friends on my own experiencing life on my own right and he's just like no he was just like you just you know when you get married you you all of that stuff you let that go. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying that I would not prioritize my family. I want to do that. What I am saying is I want to build a life with my partner, not apart from him. And so what I am clear about, and I can say this very, very confidently, you and me, just because we're good together, we are, we're good together. I, I, like when I think about like a husband and like how the ease of you and I are, we can coexist and all that. We have fun. Um, that part makes me want to imagine maybe a life with you, but ultimately the life you're, you're describing, it, it, it is in total conflict with the life that I'm describing. And the reason that I chose to, to not continue is because if what we had was our life, I would not be satisfied. I'm still clear about that. And I think that we, just because we're good together, we don't need to force being married together, right? You know, and so like, I say all that to say that my evolution and clarity that I've had about like my, what, what I really want in life, what my desires are, it has allowed me to truly have standards and not deviate from those standards right you know so because like ultimately I want to be happy you know what I mean and like my evolution has allowed me to to not even try to be open to the fact that of what he was saying you know because it was very clear we're in two different books like it's not going to happen I'm not going to create room for that. Kiana I just want to acknowledge you for the strength and fortitude and and self-awareness required to make that choice. I think that a lot of people, and I'm not even going to say just women, because men do this too. They rock around holding this empty chair, waiting for someone to come sit next to them, right? They're carrying this weight of this empty chair all the time. And so if someone shows up, they're like, thank goodness, please sit in this chair, which is so different than what you're, you're doing and you're creating for yourself, which is I'm living this whole ass life and it's a pretty good life. And so if you're going to be a part of this life, like we're going to partner and create something, I'm not carrying around a chair waiting for anyone. I'm building a whole house. I'm building this whole life (laughs) and I'm looking for someone who's doing the same and who will, you know, who's on the same, in the same chapter, in the same book. Yeah. And that's incredible. And and that is a testament to the work and growth that you have done for yourself, that you are not carrying around that empty chair. Thank you, Bridget. I appreciate that. It's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's hard, you know, because the easier thing probably would to would be to be with them, right? You know, here's a man who thinks I'm his wife and like, I want these things, right? But... No, no, no. I, uh, what I see is I'm going to be miserable because you're going to be asking me to do things that is not, is it compromises who I am. 
right? And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I want to be with a man who wants what I want, not where we have to convince each other and change each other. That's not, that's not a marriage. That's not a partnership more than marriage. You know what I mean? It's just like, we're not supposed to go into relationships and, and marry people, people who have been in relationships a while. They say this all the time. You don't go into relationships expecting to change people. You accept people for who they are. And if we can't, I think we have to make adult decisions not to engage in a particular way. Can we be friends? Sure. You know, and it, it it's hard. It really is. It's hard to be able to make that decision that I know is right. And you're doing it. And I'm hopeful. <laughs> and I'm hopeful for the right kind of person, right? Uh, and so, yeah, I'm telling you. So to that point, right, you know, I think we, we probably have talked about it on different episodes, but with healing, it, it is like sometimes a love-hate relationship, right? You know, because it's, it's like the saying goes, when you know better, you do better. And, and that is like healing, right? Like when you are doing the work to heal yourself from generational cycles and curses and just like childhood and adulthood trauma, we have this insight, we have wisdom, we, we have some knowledge to know better. And so it sometimes sucks <laughs> when we are like, I know better. So I'm, I'm actually going to do better instead of going the opposite route and being like, yeah, I know better, but you know what? I got needs. <laughs> Cause it's easier to like get that instant gratification, but man, oh man, I'm telling you, I, I, I am ultimately, I have been reminding myself and really acknowledging to myself in the mirror. Like I am proud of you for implementing the tools. Like you didn't do all this work for nothing. Like, and really, I feel like Bridget to kind of, culminate like my part of it the conversation I feel like I am in the testing ground of the work that I did in the previous seasons I, I'm like literally it's time for testing to see like well what you gonna do this I is coming that. your way how you gonna handle it <laughs> I feel that yeah so so much so much <laughs> so we had a theme of expectations versus reality in regards to relationships in regards to work in regards to moving and transition. And we really want to hear from y'all on how have you all had to deal with or processed ex having certain expectations and then <laughs> dealing with the reality of it, which may have been different than what you expected. It's something that is a challenge for all of us, but we really want to hear how you have worked through it. Um, you've heard how Bridget and I have worked through it and how we're still working through it because we're work in progress. But if you could just share some of your tips and tools and tricks and best practices on our website at tearsizeandtransformation.com in our forum. If you haven't already signed up, you can. There's a form for that. And then also on our social media platforms on IG and Facebook at Tears, Ties, and Transformation. Uh, again, we really want to hear back from y'all. We're trying something new with this conversational style episodes. And again, the theme is expectations versus reality. And we just want to hear what you all have to say about that. I'll second that. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. You know, Key and I have been doing this because of the impact, not only on us, but the impact on on people that have shared with us should share with us. This is a labor of love. And so when you share with us how your similar experiences 
with, you know, you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, I can relate to that. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. And again, we've got the forum on the website where we can have conversations with one another and it, and it's a little bit more private. Of course, come to Instagram, Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, this has been Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing with Bridget Flaherty. And Kiana Daniels. Thank, Thank you. you. I see through life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the tears. The audacity of you going through. Of you trusting self all along.